0: Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton.
1: And we're back with the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in today, to today's episode. This is episode 219. 219. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, We missed a couple of weeks, man. Uh, it has been, uh, been an interesting, interesting time. So I'm glad to be back. Uh, for those of our listeners who don't know, I don't know. Are we, are we telling everybody kind of where we've been, I guess. Uh, so we're, we're COVID survivors. Uh, so we were,
0: uh, <laughs> 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 that's true. It's true. All of it. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. So, um, we were one of the 999 out of a thousand that survived. So we made it. Um, very fortunate and uh wasn't wasn't very fun Ryan. i, I, I ain't gonna lie though I, I didn't i didn't enjoy that We made
0: it. our families made it
1: yeah yeah all of them actually we had a super
0: spreader <laughs> an, an unintentional super spreader we had a party at my house and it seemed like everyone who came uh, got it and so uh, but everyone uh, by and large i think is is back on the mend so yeah no um and just real quick i will i will tell everyone this now uh, your boy, Joe Biden, is changing this policy, I think. But if you can get the the mono, what do they call it? the The mono, monoclonal antibodies. Monoclonal antibodies. I call it Thanos juice. If you can get that Thanos juice, go get it. The sooner, the better. It makes you feel a lot better. For me, at least it did. Um, so I didn't get too terribly sick. I didn't have to go to the hospital like that. But I was starting to feel pretty bad. Got the antibodies and turned everything around. Like Literally, I got them at 4 o'clock, I think, on Thursday. Um, and I went pretty downhill for the next like three to four hours, five hours, whatever it was, but I can't remember 10, 11, 12 o'clock that night. I woke up. I was like, man, I feel, I feel pretty good. I mean, I didn't feel a hundred percent, but I felt pretty good. And Friday had a little bit of a fever. Um, but all things considered, those seemed to turn it around for me. And so, um, yeah, if you can go get those earlier, the better. I do know someone uh, we go to church with, they went and got them. And I think they, they, they did a lot of, a lot of good for those folks. So anyways, so um good to be back though josh good to be back
1: yeah yeah glad to glad to be back it's been an uh, interesting couple of weeks so ryan um i've been following a, a couple of stories in the news uh gas prices by gas i'm not talking about gasoline i'm talking about natural gas gas yes. uh, yeah oh then-
0: yeah hey real quick before you get into any gas let's thank our sponsor jubilee royalty fun too is getting ready to close listen we're, we're talking about, about to talk about natural gas prices now is the time to consider investing. If you're an accredited investor, reach out to myself or uh, the folks over at Jubilee. Get you in contact. Fun 2 closes at the end of October. So just a little bit over a month left for those of you who are accredited investors. Be sure to reach out to Jubilee Royalty. Okay, Josh,
1: go ahead. So uh, Natural Gas, so they've been they've been following this for a little while. And I've, I've been just following some stuff on Twitter Um people that have been uh making some posts and stuff about it and natural gas is is up right now and the winter's not even here yet uh they're anticipating natural gas to go up a lot more just looking at some figures it was up about five to six times more than what oil was uh at this time from last year and and they're showing that they're expecting uh, there to be shortages of natural gas coming this winter that even with concerns about a Delta variant or a new variant for COVID, that the shortages are going to be significant enough where that is not even a concern at this point. So it's kind of opening the, I don't know to say the floodgates, but it's kind of opening up the market for people to go and kind of uh, go after natural gas almost with abandon because there's about to be some significant shortages, especially places like Texas and stuff. If we have another um, cold winter like we had last year. Uh, we're going to be in serious Uh, serious need. Well, 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 think about it like this. Okay, so in the Permian, pre-COVID,
0: way back when, we were talking about having to flare natural gas because you couldn't make a buck doing it, right? Mm -hmm. As we sit here today, WTI is sitting at $71 and natural gas at $5.15. Okay, well, if we go back to some of those conversations we had, we talked about crude quality, crude quantity, the breakdown of these wells, 70-30, 60-40, 80-20, Okay, well, right now, let's say you have a 70-30 well, okay, just to use some rough numbers, 70% oil, 30% gas. You can make money. If you can't make money of that, then you just need to go home. Like, you mm-hmm. need to pack it up, get out of the oil business and go home. But, p- folks, the, the the drilling rigs are just not coming back. And, it, you know, and I, the more I hear people talk, the capital is just not coming back to the industry right now. And so I know we got a story talking about kind of the rig activity. It's up. But it's not to you know if go again about 2019. If I told you, oil was seventy dollars and natural gas was five fifteen, uh-huh. it would have been wrong. But be, yeah, we were talking about the Haynesville going crazy, the Permian adding more rigs, the profitability of these companies. Um, and listen, a lot of the companies have done a good job of trying to rebalance their budgets. But back in 2019, this would have been uh, absurd. And so the fact that here we are, um, oil demand has come back, uh, the, the, the the price of come back pretty. Pretty quick um gas natural gas demands high winter's coming to your point um you would you would expect to see a nice boom in the rig count and we're just not seeing it um so yeah it is some capital discipline i'm sure going on but i think you know these folks just are not willing to invest a lot of money in the oil and gas industry right now and josh real quick before we go any further we did have a listener reach out we asked way back when the question about um COVID protocol. And we had a listener, and I won't let's see here. Um, oh my gosh, I've got too many Twitter DMs. Yeah, here it is. Um, I won't say the name, but thank you for listening. He said, heard you're wondering about the hands in the field and vaccine requirements. Um and he said they're not requiring vaccination, but one of the majors they work for is requiring a negative test within 48 hours of service. Regardless of vaccination status. So, this was back on September the 2nd. We just haven't been here in a few weeks. So, thank you for that person for reaching out. We are tracking all of this. So, let us know. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, wherever. But, anyways, Josh, so you know, we talk about the Delta variant, we talk about COVID vaccination status, talk about all these things, but the price just right now just does not have the same effect as it has historically speaking. And so, when does that change? I don't know.
1: Yeah. So, um, so, just looking at looking at some of the the numbers from this uh, reuters article it talks about natural gas uh goldman sachs um is projecting eighty dollars for brent eighty dollars a barrel for brent uh but they said that uh this winter they're expecting a nine hundred thousand barrel per day increase in oil demand mm. um that was stated yesterday is what they were projecting um that's the Wall Street Journal, Wall Street Bank, I mean. Uh, Wall Street Bank is projecting nine hundred thousand nine hundred thousand barrel per day increase in oil demand. Uh so if 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 that happens, um we're gonna see we're gonna see some pretty interesting things start to unfold. And I believe um you may have talked about this with Ellen, uh Ron, but uh based on uh the production that we're seeing from some of these uh countries these increases we were the i guess the the biden administration was expecting gas prices to decrease a little bit more than what they have um and the, i guess one of the reasons that that those prices haven't decreased in spite of some of those increased productions is because of a supply problem um they just not an adequate um uh, not an adequate supplies because i guess what i'm uh, factoring, I mean, have you looked at some of the calls that they've made for these increased in productions and still the gas price is still hanging in and even going up?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, if you go look, there's um, we talked about this, I think so. I think you missed last week on energy week two, but I think maybe two weeks ago we discussed what's going on in Europe, so folks can go check that out. That will be a discussion, and we have the API deed format on today to talk about it. But to, to your Point, the larger point is is that we've seen the the OPEC members raise their, their OPEC quotas. Um, you talk about a 900,000 barrel a day shortfall um, coming in the winter. Uh, I don't know if I have a cold winter or not. We'll, we'll see, but it's the perfect storm of events to get the prices back to where they should be. And yet we just can't get drilling. And I think that's a concern. Um, you know, we are what? Less, we're about, well, we're about a year out for the midterms, right? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, this could, you know, does this last until the midterms? And then if the Democrats hold in the midterms, then does it last until the end of the Biden administration where prices continue to rise, but folks are just not willing to invest? Does the midterm, uh, if we have a midterm swing, swing in power and the Republicans take the house and the Senate or they have the Senate, take the house and expand the Senate, um, then, well, I guess they technically it, the whatever. Um, but does that then shift the investment, um, the people people's willingness to invest in oil and gas? I I, you know, I don't know. It's kind of a it's just it's just a weird time right now. And the, the I hear, here's something to watch. Pioneer announced that they are going to sell um, their Delaware Basin stuff right mm-hmm. for two billion dollars, two billion with a B. Josh Shelton money. Um, I, you know. I think this is going to be interesting to follow. What do they get for it? Do they get the 2 billion? How long does it take to go through the process? Who buys it? All of these things are something to watch because if someone's going to go buy this from Pioneer, and I don't know if the valuation of 2 billion is a good one or not. This is what they're looking for. Um, If this gets snatched up pretty quickly, then perhaps that's a sign that things will turn around a little sooner than maybe we're thinking. But if this sits out there for a long period of time, of course, it could just be bad acreage, right? It could be bad acreage, uh, but it also could be that folks are just not optimistic about what's going on. And so I think this is kind of one of those stories that you can put on the hopper just to kind of see what happens here, who buys it, how quick does it go, what's the final valuation of this? I don't think we're going to see any more, hey, we're giving you a billion dollars not to buy our stuff, right? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I don't think we're going to see that anymore. So now mm-hmm. we're looking to see like how fast do things happen and how what kind of valuation do they get
1: so uh there was an article that came out uh this is something basically right in line with uh, some things that we've been saying for some time uh but uh our good friend uh, dr anas he was at a event uh, recently Uh, i don't know the exact date of of this event it was pretty recent Uh, but he was stated as saying uh impact of climate change policies old demand are highly exaggerated and the impact is mostly on demand growth but basically he he made a uh a statement that um old demand will continue to grow even after 2050 uh that that old demand is not just going to grow here in the next 20 years but it actually has much longer uh not only shelf life but just demand growth in general and so uh, he, he made some comments there that were pretty interesting. We'll link it in the short, uh, in the, the show notes. But mm-hmm. he also had this, uh, this statement where um, it's a quote from a New York Times editorial from like 1965, but it says, short of a nuclear bomb, the most cri- crippling affliction that can befall a modern metropolis is a total power failure. Um, and it reminds me last year, Ryan, of the cold snap when I lost power for three days and I felt like a eskimo uh that hadn't had shelter in like two years um (laughs) yeah it was brutal it was not it was not fun and and i I don't think a lot of these people can talk about esg uh but when that happens um esg doesn't matter anymore but we need we need power Um, and i wonder if we have some of these shortages of this happening right now, if something were to happen where there was a widespread power outage for, let's say, 72 hours, uh, I wonder if that changes the tune of a lot of these, uh, I guess what I would call morons, that are pushing some of, this, uh, some of these things. I wonder. Then again, the people who are pushing it probably would be pretty insulated. They probably have Teslas and um, generators that would get them through without much problem. But for the rest of us, I mean, it would be it would be uh, enough, I think, to at least cause a conversation to start to shift a little bit.
0: Yeah. You know, I think going back to the Global Energy Leaders podcast days, I, I theorized that one day we're going to over electrify stuff and not have enough power. And then you're going to have um, some catastrophic event that comes and people die. And, and unfortunately, that has, that's taken to reshift the conversation we saw that in Texas back a few months ago and it didn't really reshift the conversation. So I don't know what it's going to take um, to kind of rebalance things. Um, the other thing that, that Anas is right about is obviously the old man is going to increase. Um, I think he says barring, you know, nuclear war or something like that, you know, beyond 2050. So you, you have that going on. Um, and I was talking to Anas actually last week and, and he talked about some of these these climate things. And he said that, you know, so many people now are putting climate uh, carbon reduction on the books. Um, and so for instance, you go to a university and they start, they get a, what is it, An arborist that counts the trees and does all this stuff. stuff. So that's like a university. will get an arborist to come and count all the trees. And then they will list. Well, our carbon, we're carbon neutral, carbon reduction or whatever by 75% or 25% or whatever, based upon the trees that were already there. Right. They didn't <laughs> go playing about the trees. It's the trees that were already there. So they haven't reduced anything. They're just actually now accounting for it. And so now, you know, it's like, well, okay, well, this carbon reduction was already there. And so so he talks about um I, I think it was shell maybe sold off uh, asset. And they counted that as carbon reduction, except for the fact that the asset was still in production. So so the carbon the carbon neutralization and reduction didn't happen. It's just that Shell was no longer doing it. And so this new company was still doing it, but Shell pretended as if they were. So globally, you're looking at it as, a, as a net reduction when nothing ever happened. And so so much of this stuff is is just fraudulent and scammy and, and all that. So um but the important thing to remember is that oil demand is going up, and we have to figure out how to get the narrative Back on our side, um, where um, we can get you know people to invest in in our companies here in the U.S. and right now we can't do that. Or yeah. At least.
1: yeah, right. It, it, it kind of reminds me of something I saw once, where uh, you know the 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 question of you know if you had an account where you were paying somebody out of it, and you start to you know you, you're one of the accounts runs out. And the, there's, I guess, confusion about why you still can't continue to pay yourself out of that account. Um, you run out of money. I mean, uh, and, and it seems that it seems that these the, the carbon conversations about carbon capture are just uh, they're just moving, moving money around. I mean, they're just moving numbers around just to, to manipulate numbers. Um it it's it's strange and everything that I've seen has been has been that way uh I mean there's real carbon capture strategies where people are putting it in the ground and and doing things that are actually um actually making an impact uh but most of the stuff out there the the, it's not Uh, most of it is just paper games that people play or number games did you know just moving digits around just to um yes it's strange so, Ryan, there's a, a, speaking of ESG, there's an article that came out, CNBC, it came out this morning. Uh, we need to stop, is what the quote is, inside the world's first diplomatic alliance to keep oil and gas in the ground.
0: Hey, is this headed up by those people that Sergio's always right about, the group for economic and biological diversity or whatever? Is that, is that this group? What's, what's that group he's always talking about? <laughs> the, the, the center for something biological, veganism. I don't know something like that.
1: I I don't I I know what you're talking about. I don't know if these are those guys. So the only thing I, I know from this was that it was Costa Rica and Denmark. Uh, Denmark being an obvious uh, player in anything that's you know engendering these discussions. Um. I so I I know that they're they're trying to get as many countries as they can to join them in ending oil and gas production and they're actually setting some um targets for uh global heating to below um 2 degrees celsius mm-hmm. uh, above pre-industrial levels uh, so I, they, they have this temperature that they're aiming for that they are trying to get more aggressive and trying to get as many countries to get on board with that agreement um stuff like this in the middle of potentially being short on natural gas in the coming winter uh, frustrates me because I don't, I don't want to be cold again. And there's a possibility that these pushes are going to lead to bigger shortages of energy. And, uh, and that's kind of the concern. And that's my well, point earlier is that.
0: I mean, let me cut you off, Josh. I'm a little frustrated here. We on this podcast have advocated for this this way of life for many years now. We've been doing this show at four years Folks, you don't need an alliance. Just listen to this podcast. Get that Amish lifestyle going, okay? Just get it going, and you won't need fossil fuels. Just start it today. We encourage that. We endorse that. We ask that you start it today because when you talk about getting rid of fossil fuels, that means everything around you. So get your your Amish saw and hammer and whatever tools they use and start building your Amish house and all this stuff, and listen—a great sense of community. You'll get stuff done very fast. I mean, you know, you won't have TV or phone or internet or uh, you know magazines or you know stuff like or that. CNBC
1: articles, NBC
0: articles, or planes, or tourism, or well, you know, whatever you have, you have any of that kind of stuff. But we endorse this. We just ask that you lead by example, and this podcast is dedicated to showing you exactly how it's done. Go to Pennsylvania, find your little Amish community, and just mimic what they're doing. That's as close as you can get. Or, or if you want to go back to like caveman status, you know, put a little loincloth on and run around. That's fine too. Like we're, you know, it's, it's fine. But no one's actually serious about this. This would drive me crazy because to be serious about it means that you would have to get rid of all the stuff that supplies your life, which is what we talk which is why we make this joke. You know, it's like North face saying that we don't want to support oil and gas companies. Okay. We'll shut down your business. Like, you know, it's, it's this rank
1: hypocrisy.
0: That's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well,
1: they rely on the ignorance of most people to say something. Because they to say something that's stupid, um, you have to rely on people not noticing how stupid what you're saying really is. And unfortunately, that's not hard to do in, in the country because a lot of people don't actually think about where stuff comes from or analyze the statements that are made and put out by media so all this esg is kind of like that carbon capture where you go out and count the trees and then you say you did something Uh, a lot of the esg is the same thing it's um people are 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 having conversations and putting out a public display of their position and relying on the ignorance of the masses to make these statements because anybody listening to this podcast or in the industry they know they know how how dumb it is but most people don't Honestly, uh, most people see what the North Face says and they don't even put two and two together.
0: No, they don't. It's it's crazy,
1: and that's what's frustrating. I mean, Netflix needs to make like a, uh, a, a oil and gas show or something, like explaining where all this stuff comes from. Oh. Unfortunately, Netflix would be on the wrong side of it. I imagine
0: <laughs> yeah, Netflix would be. Oh gracious, it's uh,
1: it's. Well, uh, Ryan, there's uh, another article, Los Angeles County uh, votes to phase out oil and gas drilling. So uh, just a couple, of, a couple of bad news articles here. So uh, Los Angeles County, they are planning to phase it out. And there was one specific company, uh, Sentinel Peak Resources, that have been producing, I think they said 3 million barrels a year. Hmm. I think that was a number. 2.5 to 3.1 million barrels a year over the last decade. They have, I believe, about half of uh, all the producing wells in this specific county, and they are, this county is looking for legal ways to shut down all oil and gas production, including old stuff, but mainly uh, new. So, uh, the, the places like this are, are, are doing this, and here's, here's, again, if you actually stop to think about what they're saying, they are worried about uh, the climate impacts. Well, if this three... Million barrels for the year is not produced. Where does it come from? The chances are it's going to come somewhere that's actually going to have a more negative impact on the climate. Um, and so that that question doesn't even arise because they're still going to use the same amount of oil. It's just not going to be produced there. That's the that's the the, the thing that's going on. So it's interesting to see that happening there in Los Angeles County. And I hope that uh, Sentinel Peak can uh, can weather the storm. Um, because that's gonna be that's gonna be a tough situation if they can get the litigation and Congress behind what they're trying to do there. It might
0: and, and let's go back to something we've said on this show for years now, which is oil and gas producers, you better start taking care of the people that you do wrong. Don't be worried about them writing them government checks. If you spill oil or gas or whatever, you, your guy gets in a wreck because he's drunk. Take care of the landowners. Take care of the landowners. Do them right. It's the right thing to do A, but B, you want to win public sentiment and this is how you do it because these governments or agencies are not, not your friend. Um, unfortunately, they have all the stroke, but they're not your friend. And, you know, this group looks like had a pipeline leak back in the spring. Maybe, I um, mean, you know, I don't, I don't know what all's going on there, but, um, but to your other point, Josh, is that, you know, this, this whole will not, it's yes, it's not going to go away. This production will not go away. It's needed. Unless people take up the Amish lifestyle, which we're calling for, it's needed, and so it's going to come from somewhere go from Saudi Arabia, or Russia, or wherever, or Texas,
1: hopefully. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, uh, two more articles, Ryan. Uh, the first one I'm going to hit. This one uh, we've we've mentioned it in passing already a couple of times. So, rig activity is not what what would be expected with seventy dollar oil. We've already kind of talked about that. Um, the reason is because there's not enough capital. Uh, people are very hesitant to invest. Um, it has, it, there was already a lot of hesitancy before the coronavirus things were going on. Uh, now, now a lot of these investors were burned in some you know, significant ways. And so, um, it, it, it's just not a lot of capital coming in. And, uh, I think, I think also with, correct me if i'm wrong ryan but i think a lot of the uh, natural gas hedges are starting to fall off and uh and so a lot of these companies are their profit margins are about to start increasing a lot because they were hedged at much lower prices than what natural gas is actually at Mm -hmm. um so it makes me wonder if we're gonna see some movement with capital uh coming in here in the next, you know here pretty soon
0: yeah, I thought about the hedges. That's a good point. But not how far people are hedged out—that um, they're making less money than they should be. So yeah, I don't know. That's a good point.
1: Well, I, I know, I know. I talked to um, people at Denbury and uh, and and a couple of places, and uh, I know that they said that their profits were actually a lot lower right now than what than what they should be. But um, I saw I saw some people um, just. Following this over the last couple of weeks, I saw some information uh, where a lot of these CEOs are excited because some of these hedges are about to start falling off. And so they're uh, pretty giddy about the, the opportunity to turn some much bigger profits. Uh, so, Ryan, last article, this is something that we've talked about a few times and I've tried to follow up. So this article is actually from September 4th. Uh, so we may have talked about this two weeks ago if we would have been on the show. Uh, but Bitcoin miners and oil and gas execs, uh, mingled at a secretive meetup in Houston. This is a CNBC article. Um, they talked basically about, uh, what, uh, one guy called the Texit. Uh, China was ending, uh, natural gas production for Bitcoin mining. Uh, he was ending that and a lot of that, um, a lot of that opportunity to supply to meet that demand for bitcoin because it has been growing uh, a lot lately uh, is being met with uh, natural gas in texas in the permian so this article is just talking about the opportunities that are there so apparently this is still a super great opportunity for investors that want to invest in uh, bitcoin and also just to, to turn a profit uh, so ap- apparently this move that China made has created the perfect storm for people that want to do stuff in West Texas.
0: Well, um, so but here's, here's the question that I'm, uh, that I'm not sure about, you know, if, if, if you have, if you're flaring off natural gas, cause you can't make a buck on it, then yeah, Bitcoin it. But if natural gas is over $5, does it make sense? You no, like, good, good question. You know, does Bitcoin need to go up to 75,000 or 50,000 to work? I don't know. So, um, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure what the answer is there, but and it might be still pipeline constraint
1: problems and stuff like that. It doesn't really matter. Um, Well, uh, just to clarify in this article, they're comparing flaring it off to using it for Bitcoin. Right. So they're not actually addressing your question there. So that, that would be the question is at what point do you, would you prefer, you know, selling it? So definitely what's
0: what's the dollar, what's the dollar, what's the Bitcoin price to natural gas price ratio? Where does that need to be at?
1: Yeah, that'd be a good question. I know, uh, If there's going to be another cold snap and we're going to lose power, then you're definitely going to be better selling it to the companies. (laughs) (laughs) At least so you don't have to face my wrath. (laughs) 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 And with that, Ron, I think that uh, wraps us up, man. That was all we had today.
0: One more story. One more story, real quick, real quick. Uh, Your boy Beto O'Rourke is going to run for governor, it looks like. He's about to make his official announcement. So I think it's been rumored about for some time, but I saw this morning. Um,
1: is he the one who want to take the guns? Yeah, you
0: well, know I mean, yeah, like I said you're a boy; he's your boy. And so, <laughs>
1: if Texas is if if it's even close, I will be more disappointed in the state of Texas than I've ever been.
0: Listen, Beto O'Rourke got more votes in the midterm against Ted Cruz
1: than Hillary Clinton got against Donald Trump. So just keep that in mind. In the midterms, he got more votes. Yeah, but was it known there that he was talking about taking guns and stuff, or has he already said that? I mean that. Back in, a, yeah, I think so. Back before he we was a ahead. killer, man. How in the world, In Texas? I just might need to slap these men in the mouth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If Beta becomes governor, we're going to change the show to the ESG, <laughs> <laughs> <I can't, I'm laughs> the Tree Huggers podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gracious! All right. Well, it's good to be back, everyone. Um, as two co- two COVID survivors here, it's good to be back and uh, back on the program. And with that, until next time, keep climbing.